Well, I failed you guys because eight weeks ago I made a promise. We were going to start a new series and we were going to move mountains and we were going to develop an unshakable faith. And I don't know about you, but it's eight weeks later and my mountains seem immovable and my faith seems pretty shaky. And I'm like, what happened? I studied, I preached all these messages, I read all these books about faith, I've been trying to take stuff to faith. It's eight weeks later, how come I don't have an unshakable faith? Now maybe, maybe you come up to me afterwards, you're like, Alex, after those eight weeks, my faith is unshakable now. But for me, it's not. I don't feel like I've developed an unshakable faith. In fact, I feel like the Father in Mark chapter nine, when Jesus says, anything is possible if you believe, and the man goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like there's some belief there, but there's also some unbelief there. So help me with the unbelief piece because I don't feel like I have an unshakable faith. I feel like I have little faith and I'm saying, Jesus, please help me to grow into a bigger faith, a greater faith, an unshakable faith. And over the last few weeks and over the last week as I was on vacation, I really began to think about this. And I think faith is like abs. Stay with me for a minute. I'm going to explain and maybe you'll agree with me and maybe you'll think I'm just crazy. Um, but while I was out on the beach, people on the beach have abs, most of them. I do not. My brother, who was on vacation with me this week, he looked over at me one day when I took off my shirt to go into the ocean. He goes, hey, you got a one-pack. You know how buff people have six-packs of abs? I have a one-pack. It's just one big belly, right? Um, so I don't have abs, but there's people on the beach who have abs. And I want to get abs like I want to get fit. I want to wake up one day and just instantly be buff. Like I just want to wake up and be like, hey, I had a gut, now I have abs. How'd that happen? That's awesome. Yeah, my wife wants that too. Right? Do you guys remember the Spider-Man movie where he gets bit by a spider? He's just like a geeky little kid. He gets bit by a spider and the next day he's like super buff. He's like, whoa, what happened? I think we have a, a picture here. Um, throwback, that's the Toby Spider-Man. Um, but that's how I want to get fake. I just want to one day be like, spiritual spider bite? Oh, now I have an unshakable faith. I, I listened to an eight-week sermon series. I preached an eight-week sermon series. Now I have an unshakable faith. But that's not how you get abs, and that's not how you get faith. You get abs by faithfully doing sit-ups and crunches and workouts every day for a long time. I just want to wake up one day and have abs. You don't get abs that way. That's just not how reality works. I just want to wake up one day and have an unshakable faith, but that's not how faith works. You get an unshakable faith by faithfully taking steps of faith every day for a long time. If I want abs in the future, if I want to keep my wife and have abs in the future, I need to start doing squats and crunches and sit-ups today. Doing squats, sit-ups, and crunches for eight weeks won't give you abs. Eight months, you'll probably start to get there. Eight years, you'll probably have some abs. And a lot of times, we look at faith and we say, Man, I've been coming to church for a month. I should have an unshakable faith life. But we have to keep doing what's right for a long time to see what we desire come to pass. Taking steps of faith won't suddenly give you an unshakable faith, but it's something that you can do today that will give you an unshakable faith in the future. And I think sometimes people get started with something and they're really excited about it, and then they give it a few weeks and they're like, nothing happened, so I give up. That's what happens a lot of times with me in exercise. I'm like, sit-ups, I do not enjoy them. And I do them for a couple days and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna go back to eating fried food and not doing sit-ups, it feels bad. 
But if we want an unshakable faith, we have to faithfully take steps of faith. If we keep taking steps of fear rather than steps of faith, our faith is going to remain small and underdeveloped. If we keep acting out of fear rather than faith, we're going to keep having a small faith in the future. I, I think sometimes we imagine that, you know what, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and avoiding steps of faith, but maybe someday in the future I'll just wake up and suddenly have it. And that doesn't happen. Faith is like a muscle. A muscle has to be used to grow, and if it's not used, it atrophies. So Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible, uh, it's known as the heroes of faith, and it just lists all these people who took these incredible steps of faith. And most of these guys and these girls in this chapter, they won't consider themselves heroes. They would look at their lives and say, we're just ordinary people. We made some mistakes. We did some things right. But at the end of their life, as people look back on their story, we're able to say these people exercised incredible faith. They had an unshakable faith. What you and I do today is either strengthening our faith or weakening it. Think about that for a minute. The decisions you make each day either strengthen your faith help it to grow, or it weakens it, it undermines it, it makes it smaller. See, what the steps we take, the actions we take, are either turning us into heroes of faith, so when people look back on our lives, they're like, hey, that was a life filled with faith, or we're becoming husbands of faith. Maybe we had a moment of faith, and then a lifetime of falter. And so as we look at these people in Hebrews chapter 11, there's some names in here that we know and some names that are less common. There's some people who did some great things and some people who did some horrible things. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and more. And some of these guys did really great things and some of them made some bad choices. The good news is, even if you made some bad choices, you can still end up being a hero of faith. Rahab was a prostitute. So maybe you've made some mistakes sexually, and Rahab still ended up being someone that we can look to as an example of faith. David murdered someone. So you could make some critical mistakes, and God says there's still redemption, there's still a chance to be a person of faith. See, ordinary people change the world when they take steps of faith. Ordinary people are remembered as extraordinary because they develop an unshakable faith by daily taking steps of faith. But Hebrews chapter 11 just doesn't tell us about these incredible people who took steps of faith, who developed an unshakable faith by the end of their life. The chapter itself is a masterclass in faith. It tells us all about faith, what it is, how it works, how it's at work in our world. And as we bring our series to a close, I thought it'd be a good reminder to go back through here. In fact, we probably could have preached the entire series right out of Hebrews chapter 11. And so I just want to touch on some of these things that Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us about faith. In verse 1, it says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. The masterclass here in faith in Hebrews chapter 11 starts with a definition. It essentially just tells us what is faith. Faith is hope in action. That's how the verse defines it. It's confidence in the unseen. Faith is believing that there's more to see than what you can see with human eyes. There's more at work than what you can see and what you can do. It's acting in accordance to the belief that there is an unseen world where things are working and more is happening than what you can see with the human eye. 
Faith is simply believing that the most important things in life are invisible. Think about love for a second. We can see the results of love. We can tell when two people love each other, but love is intangible. It's not something that you can pin down underneath of a microscope and say, there's the love gene right there. Right? It's something uh, intangible. We can't hold on to it. We can't see it. We can see the effects of it. And the most important things in life are things that we can't see with human eyes. Faith, that's an essential element of faith. We believe that God is invisible but at work in our world. And in verse 6, continuing this uh, introduction into faith that Hebrews 11 gives us, it says, Now without faith it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God loves faith. We've talked about that over and over again throughout this series. God loves when people act on what they can't see. Why? I don't know. I wish that God loved when we acted on things that he clearly spelled out for us, right? He's like, here you go. I'm going to spell it all out for you. This is exactly what you should do. And I'd be like, okay, thank you for those marching orders. I'll go do it. But he loves when he doesn't show us and we act. He loves when we believe that he exists and believe that he rewards those who diligently search for him. That's an interesting wording there, that he rewards those. Essentially that he is a good God, not a bad God. The foundation for faith. If you want to build an unshakable faith, it always has to start with this truth. God is good. Because when we believe that God is bad or that when God wants to hurt us or punish us or come against us or just ruin our lives, our faith will falter. But this verse also reminds us that doing great or impressive things for God doesn't impress God if it's done without faith. If we gather 10,000 people but we don't exercise faith, it doesn't matter to God. If we build a great building, but we do it without faith, it doesn't impress God. See, we're impressed with big things. God is impressed with when we act on unseen things. And then in verse 13, we see in this primer on faith, that faith outlives us. In verse 13, it says, all these heroes of the faith died in faith, although they did not receive the things that were promised to them. But they saw from a distance, they greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary, temporary residents on the earth. Now some of these people saw God do incredible things, but they didn't see everything that they were promised. There were some promises that they believed in, that they acted on, that would come along after them. Think of Abraham. He was promised not only will you have a son, but your son will become a great nation. From that great nation, they will be a platform for a person that I send to restore the relationship between God and man, Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't get to see Jesus. He just got to see the beginning of the promise. But the faith that he exercised with his son lived on long after him into the nation of Israel that became a platform for Jesus Christ to come into the world. Sometimes we don't see the promise that God gave us justified before we die. But our faith lives on. You want to talk about something that outlives you? Your faith. The faith that you share, the faith that you believe in, the faith that you invest in lives on after you. Faith changes generations long after we're gone. I'm affected by the faith of people long before me. Because faith doesn't get buried with our bodies. Faith multiplies. Faith outlasts those who spawned it. 
The faith that you have impacts people around you and lives long after you're gone. Faith keeps working even after the memory of who we are and what we've done has long faded. Some of us are here and we're benefiting from the faith that came long before us. This building here that we get to meet in for our church services was purchased by a pastor over at this church down the street a long time ago, long before I was ever here in Philadelphia, and they didn't know what to do with the building, and it sat empty until we started renting it from them. The fact is that someone had a vision for this space that they didn't get to see come to fruition, but now we're getting the benefit from their faith in purchasing this. And all throughout your life, there are people who have exercised faith, and you get to benefit from it. Maybe family members, maybe friends, maybe people that you've never even heard of or think of who prayed something in an area or who acted in an area and their faith is impacting your life. And then the chapter here in chapter 11 comes to this rousing crescendo. Uh, I thought it was so powerful. I'm going to read it in Hebrews 11, 33 through 38. And this is a, a slight paraphrase just for ease of reading. But it says... Faith conquers kingdoms. Faith deals out justice. Faith gains what is promised. Faith shuts the mouth of lions. Faith quenches the fury of flames. Faith escapes the sharp edge of the sword. Faith turns weakness into strength. Faith overthrows armies. Faith raises the dead. Faith overcomes torture. Faith faces down jeers and floggings and prison. Faith does not back down to stonings or even being sawn into two because faith doesn't fear death. Faith endures poverty, persecution, and mockery. Faith wanders in deserts and mountains, and faith is found in desolate places and in the very crags of the earth. The world is not worthy of those who live and die by faith. That's an impressive resume, right? What do you need faith to do in your life? What do you want to see faith do in your life? Can you imagine sitting down with somebody on an interview and they're like, yeah, um, I deal out justice, I gain what's promised, I quench the fury of flames, I overthrow armies, I turn weakness into strength. You'd be like, how can I hire you? I need you, you're, you're awesome. But faith wants to work in our life and in our world. Faith is not powerful though in and of itself. Sometimes we just throw around that word faith, and you can have faith in a favorite teacher, you can have a faith in a favorite politician, or a favorite diet, and that's not the type of faith that's talking about here. Faith is only powerful because it's talking about faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is all powerful. If you say, I have a lot of faith in this automobile that I have, I mean, that's not going to move mountains for you, but Jesus Christ can move mountains. Faith is powerful because faith is trusting in a powerful God. So it brings me back to our initial question when we started this whole series. How do we develop an unshakable faith? By taking one shaking step of faith at a time. By faithfully taking steps of faith each day. In Hebrews 12, verses 26 through 29, it says this. His voice, God's voice, shook the earth at that time. And now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, I will shake the very heavens. This expression, once more, indicates the removal of all that can be shaken, that is, every created thing, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. 
You say, Alex, what, what is it talking about there? As we bring all this about faith and how to develop an unshakable faith together, why is he talking about shaking things and he's talking about an unshakable kingdom? What's going on? I believe that God is trying to shake our hold off of everything that we're holding on to that's not him. Everything that we're putting faith and trust into that's not him. He's trying to shake us off. You know, while I was out in the ocean, you pick up something and a little crab is holding on to it or something and you give them a shake. And you shake it hard enough, they let go. And that's what I kept thinking of as I thought about this is that we're clinging on to things that aren't sure. Things that are loose, floating around in the ocean of life. And we're holding on to them desperately, trying to find some stability. And God says, I'm rock solid. I want to shake you off that little piece of driftwood that's never going to give you any stability so that you cling on to me. God's not doing this. He's not shaking what we're trusting in because he's cruel. He's doing this because he's kind. Because we're putting our faith and trust in things that will desert us, that will disappoint us. Augustine said, anxiety is the collapse of a false God. Anxiety is the collapse of an idol in your life. Anxiety is the collapse of something that you put your faith and trust in when you should have put your faith and trust in God. I don't know about you, but I, I have some anxiety. I wake up sometimes thinking about the church or thinking about my relationship with Darby or thinking about our adoption or our finances or I could go on and on with all my anxieties. And this verse or this quote comes back to my mind. Anxiety is the collapse of a false idol, of something, of someone that I've tried to put my trust and my faith in to sustain me. But these things aren't solid. These things are shakable. And that's why God is shaking them. God smashes our idols because they promise things they can never deliver. In the Old Testament, they would literally worship wood and stone idols. And they would draw faces on them and put ears on them. And God mockingly said, they have eyes but they cannot see they have ears, but they cannot hear. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. And he says, I don't have eyes, but I see everything. I don't have ears, but I hear everything. And I don't have a mouth, but I speak. And so often today, we don't turn to wood or stone, but we turn to bank accounts. And we turn to jobs, and we turn to degrees, and we turn to fame, and we turn to relationships. And we put all our faith and trust in them. And sometimes God has to smash the false hopes we hold to so that we turn to him, the only true source of hope. He's the unshakable king. We can have an unshakable faith because we have an unshakable king. But if you try to have an unshakable faith in anything except Jesus, you'll find yourself shaken. It says here in... The last verse, verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. That's a weird picture, right? This fire that cannot ever stop burning. Um, before I moved up here, when I was in Tennessee, my parents had about an acre of woods in their front yard and they wanted to put in a driveway because right now they had to take a neighbor's driveway up to their house and they're like, we want our own driveway. And so they brought in a bulldozer and they had all the trees bulldozed. And I was like, those beautiful trees. And they bulldozed them all into a big pile in this acre front yard. And it was a huge mound. It's probably like up to the ceiling in here. It took up this whole room. Huge mound of trees. And um, they were like, we're going to pull off small pieces of it and burn it. I was like, that's going to take forever. 
So one day while I was over at their house, I said, I'm just gonna burn the whole thing at once. That's a smarter play. Rather than slowly burn, taking, people are shaking their heads. This is, it sounded really smart in my head. And so what I did was, there was like an old uh, rug down there, and I was like, oh, that's super dried out and dry rotted. So I lit that, threw it up underneath, and this thing burned for weeks. It never stopped burning. There was always this hot ember pit inside that just kept burning and slowly consuming the whole pit. Smoke billowed from their front yard probably for a month. Like it just never stopped burning. God is a consuming fire. He consumes anything that tries to take his place, his rightful place as the king and ruler of our hearts. See, my faith is often shaken because I put my faith in the wrong things and he has to burn those things up so that I can trust in him. We develop an unshakable faith by using our faith, by developing our faith muscles like we talked about, by taking risks for God's glory and other people's good. But we also develop an unshakable faith by clinging tightly to our unshakable king, letting go of everything else we hoped in and finding hope in him alone. Sometimes when God is shaking us, the thing we hold most desperately to is ourselves. A lot of us have a lot of faith and confidence in yourself. Sometimes I'm really confident in myself, and you're like, confidence is a good thing, Alex. Yeah, but many times I get obsessed with what I can do, and I forget there's a lot that I can't do and I need Jesus See, our world is filled with statements like this, like, believe in yourself. But if you try to build an unshakable faith upon your abilities or your talents or your intelligence, you will falter and fail. And your world will come crashing down when you realize you can't do everything you thought you could. I just read a book uh, last week about suffering. And it was a guy who was very fit and able. He was a, uh, a Christian speaker. He would go around and uh, his kidneys failed. And he said, for the first time in my life, I realized I had complete confidence in myself. And it was only when my health was completely gone that I realized I had put so much what I called faith in my own body's strength and health and ability. He said, I really didn't have faith that God could sustain me. I had faith that I had health and energy. And he says, all of a sudden I had to realize that what I had been calling faith was actually confidence. The Bible is not a self-help book. A self-help book says you can do it. But what does the Bible say over and over again? You can't do it, but Jesus can. And Jesus is ready to wrap you up in his arms. So many times an unshakable faith is actually not about how much faith we have, but what we have put our faith in, who we put our faith in. See, sometimes I can subtly spiritualize faith in myself and call it faith in in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells the story of two builders. One built their house on rock, one built their house on sand. While I was at the beach this week, uh, my brother and I were like, we're going to take one of those pictures where you jump up in the air and it looks like you're flying in the air because somebody snapped the picture while you're up in the air. And uh, it was surprisingly hard on sand to find a sure enough footing to actually jump. Also, I have a lot of weight to jump, so it, you know, it's hard to jump. But... It's hard to jump on sand because you can't get a good footing. Every time you try to launch off, your foot slips, and it's just not steady. It's not secure. In this story that Jesus told, both houses look the same. They look like nice houses. 
Both houses felt safe until the rains came. And when the storms came, the house on the rock took the wind and the rain, but the house on the sand was swept away. A storm doesn't shake our faith. Sometimes we go through something and we're like, man, that really shook my faith. A storm simply reveals whether or not our faith is built on something solid or on something shaky. On someone solid or on something shaky. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can reach God except through me. Jesus invites everyone to build their lives on him. And anytime we try to build our lives, build our faith, build our trust on anything but Him, we're building on sand. And the first storm will sweep it away. 2,000 years ago, a traveling Jewish teacher named Jesus claimed to be God. The religious leaders of his day put him to death. Three, three days later, his scattered followers suddenly had renewed faith and a new hope and audacity because they claimed to see him alive. As a result, they started traveling throughout the world, inviting people to live and love like he did, to become students of Jesus Christ, inviting people to know God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. While we were separated from God, Jesus died in our place for the destructive things that we've said and done to God so that the relationship between God and man, between us and God, might be. So that the relationship between you and God might be restored. That invitation is still open to us today. Jesus has promised to never cast aside any who come to him in faith and say, I want to build on a firm foundation. I want to build on you. Faith is the hope of the unseen, acted on in the confidence that God rewards those diligently. So, all throughout this series, we've asked four questions. What did you hear? Maybe it's something you've heard today. Maybe it's something you've heard over the course of the last few weeks. Maybe it's something I didn't say, the Bible didn't say, but you heard in your heart. What do you need to do? Because it's one thing, it's easy to gain knowledge. You're like, man, I know so much now. But that doesn't transform your world and doesn't transform who you are until you put it into action. When will you do it? Don't delay. Act. Because a step of faith today helps build your faith so that you can have an unshakable faith in the future. And who will help you? You never have to take a step of faith alone. It's your choice to make alone. We get to take it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for these examples of faith. These were imperfect people who made a lot of mistakes. And that gives me hope because I'm an imperfect person who's made a lot of mistakes. But at the end of their life, they were not known for their mistakes. They were known for their faith because they built upon a sure foundation, the promise of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that I will not put my faith and trust in all the things I can see, but I will put my faith and trust in the unseen Lord, I pray that you will, Lord, build our faith. Help us to take steps of faith every day so that in the future we can have an unshakable faith together. Lord, thank you for being good. Thank you for being at work in our lives, in our church, our community, and our world. 